Hello and welcome to the Commonweal Policy Podcast. I'm Craig Dale, the Head of Policy and Research at Commonweal. Is it possible to own too much land? If so, how much is too much? If not, what are the consequences for others if you buy up everything around them, even if you quote-unquote look after it well? Should there be an absolute cap on how much land any one person can own? Should people who live on it have a say about that? Labour MSP Mercedes Villalba has put forward a member's bill that is currently being consulted on that would create a public interest test for folk if they wish to buy more than 500 hectares of land in Scotland. Here to talk about that proposal is Ms Villalba herself. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, we'll start off. Who are you and why are you interested in land reform? Um, so I'm Mercedes. I'm one of um, Scottish Labour's MSPs. I represent the North East region in Scotland and I'm based in Dundee. Um, why I'm interested in land reform, I mean, I think it's just a huge issue of justice. Um, we've got a finite amount of land. We're not making any more. And there's currently very little regulation. So anyone with enough money can buy as much of it as they want with pretty much no questions asked. And land underpins so many um, essential elements of our society. It's what we build homes on. It's where we live. It's where we work. Um, And increasingly, um, it's an important tool in combating the climate and nature emergencies. So it really is everything. Can you take us through the kind of land ownership pattern in Scotland and why that shows the need for land reform? Yeah, so Scotland has an unusually high concentration of land ownership in the hands of um, very few people. Um, it's actually been compared to the monopolies in banking and supermarkets by the Scottish Land Commission, except with those other industries, um, they are subject to regulation in the way that land ownership isn't. Um, So we've got a pretty unique situation here um, where we're seeing patterns of land ownership pretty much unchanged for centuries. Um, that, but then at the same time, there's quite widespread support for land reform. And, uh, you know, land reform is not, uh, you know, a taboo subject in Scotland. And yet mm. we haven't really seen the kind of fundamental changes we need to see. So I guess it seemed like time. Mm. I mean, our audience isn't exactly a representative sample, but even amongst our activists, volunteers and folk who are interested in Commonweal, whenever we talk about land and land reform, there's a massive spike in interest to people who hear us. So, yeah, it's definitely a live issue. Yeah, and it's it's actually something I noticed when I moved to Scotland that it's it's a subject that I hear talked about. People are kind of switched on to it um, in a way that... Um, I didn't hear as much discussion. Obviously, there is a land reform movement in England, but um, it seems much more pervasive in Scotland. Um, and it hasn't had the voice that I think it warrants in the Parliament. So can you take us through your bill's proposal and, and why you decided to bring it in the first place? 
Yeah, so um, the proposal has a couple of different elements. The, I suppose the headline um, aspect is to introduce a presumed limit of 500 hectares on the amount of land that anyone can own. Um, any holdings above that would be subject to a public interest test. Um, and that subject, uh, that public interest test would be overseen by uh, an appointed public body. I'm consulting on um, that aspect. Uh, I'm proposing that it's the Scottish Land Commission that would have that power. Um, and the idea is that when land is transferred, so when it's sold or inherited, um, the uh, limit would kick in at that point, though the public interest test would apply, but there would also be um, a way for existing holdings to be challenged and and for the public interest to be applied to those as well. Hmm. Now, one MSP recently questioned the need for this bill, uh, given that the Scottish Government has its own land reform bill currently in progress, something that was mentioned in, in this week's programme for government. Why do we need this, your bill specifically, and, and does it duplicate work that the government's already doing anyway? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting criticism, I must say, because even if the government was proposing exactly what I'm proposing, surely you want cross-party support. And we all know that to see change actually happen, it's, it's really just down to an individual politician or even... Um, uh, one like a party of government we need you know a mass movement of support for for any proposal so i i found that quite an odd criticism um it, i suppose i would also point out that what the scottish government is proposing is different to what i'm proposing they're not talking about a presumed limit they're not talking about um introducing a limit on ownership at all um, they're talking about applying a public interest test to large holdings. Their working definition of large holdings, uh, at last check, it was 3,000 hectares, which is <laughs> a great deal more than what I'm proposing. Um, although, you know, the First Minister and um, different people within the SNP have said publicly that a lower limit should be or a lower definition should be considered hmm. um and there i can't see anything in their proposal to look at um existing holdings and how to address um concentrated ownership within existing holdings so i think there's some pretty fundamental differences yeah i mean it's interesting that the last two major land buyout stories that have really hit the headlines both for different reasons both of them were below that 3,000 hectare limit. Although, as you say, I suspect the government might just move on that. I've got no special information myself, but I, uh, that seems to be the way the way the wind is blowing. Yeah, well, I think they'll only move if there's public pressure for them to move, which is why it's so important that, you know, anybody listening to the podcast or anyone with an interest in land reform, um, you know, uses their voice, whether it's contacting um, the elected representative or whether it's getting involved with a local campaign around land justice um you know there's lots of different ways that people can voice their support for intervention on land ownership and mm. i think that's 
that's when we see real change happen is when you know as many people as possible feel motivated and engaged to act and i think too often you know politicians and governments then they're happier with, with as few people acting as possible because then they can just do what they want so it's really important that people use their voice and have a say and that's why i encourage people to take part in the consultation and i will stick a link to the consultation in the description of the show and i'll also stick a link um to, to a website that'll make it easier for you to contact your msp and, and shout at them <laughs> literally send them a very polite email so on the 500 hectare test in your bill specifically, is that on a per purchase basis or is it on a per individual basis? In other words, assuming someone made me a billionaire, could I buy two plots of land at 499 hectares each and not trigger the test? No, so it's about the owner, not um, the plot. So the test would apply in aggregate. Um, so any transfer that would put someone over the 500 hectare in total would trigger the test. Are there any philosophical or human rights issues to be considered if we tell someone that you can't own a piece of land compared to, say, just putting a land value tax on it and taxing them based on how much they own? Well, this is a question for everyone to consider, I suppose. My view is that if it's a finite resource, we're not making any more of it. Without intervention, anyone who has enough money could buy as much land as they want. You know, it, in theory, one person could own the world. And that's not right, um, because land naturally belongs to all of us. And then that's not the way um, the system is currently working. So if we believe that there should be some kind of limit then we have to start somewhere so that's why I'm bringing forward this proposal and I'm pleased to see that it's you know gained support already in terms of human rights I mean no one person's human rights trumps any others um, and so at the moment I think what we see is the human rights of those with the larger platforms power capital they're, they're very um, vocal in, you know, demanding and protecting their property rights in a way that, you know, millions of people who are marginalised and sidelined don't get any say and their rights are trampled on every day. And I know that some of my listeners will uh, immediately be saying that their belief is that no one should own land at all. So just a wee call to action to folk. Email in and let me know where you stand anywhere on that spectrum. How would the public interest test in the bill actually work? Is this like an absolute veto on a sale? Right. So I suppose I want to be clear that at the moment we're consulting on a proposal. Um, so we've outlined um, a proposal for how we think it could work, but it's open to consultation. We want to hear people's views um, and the, the final detail um, might end up with some differences to, to the current proposal. Um, but what, the, what we're currently proposing is that at the point of sale or transfer of a holding over 500 hectares, the Scottish Land Commission would notify public bodies and local people, anyone with an interest, and invite them basically to say whether they think the sale is going to be against the public interest. Um, 
And at that point, community bodies could also express an interest in purchasing part or all of the land. The Scottish Land Commission or whoever the appointed body ends up being would then pause the sale. They'd consider the public interest or, you know, pause the sale for the community um, organisation to to go through the process of purchasing the land. And then if the public interest test is found not to have been met, then the Scottish Land Commission or whoever ends up being the appointed body would have the ability to refuse the transfer um, or they could approve it with conditions. Um, So it might be that a certain amount of land has to be set aside for a specific purpose. So that's the proposal as it stands, but I'm really keen to hear people's views. And in terms of what actually it is considered as part of the public interest test, that's also something that we're consulting on in the proposal. Um, So things like affordable housing, um, environmental recovery. Um, An essential consideration for me really is democratic accountability for the people to have a say over how it's used. Um, and I think that really is essential in in tackling the injustice in, in our current land ownership patterns. Mm. And then for existing holdings, it would be a similar process, except that it's it would the public interest would be triggered by a local petition. Um, so if there was a concern raised by, for example, councillors or a community group, they could trigger it and then the land, Scottish Land Commission or whoever the appointed public body is would then um, go through that public interest test. Hmm. Yeah, that's the bit that really interests me in the bill, the ability to, to look at existing holdings and we don't need to wait generations for these changes to work through the system. I think that's a really important element because it, it, land doesn't come up for sale very often. So it's not enough just to do something at the point of sale or transfer. We need a mechanism for existing holdings. Hmm. I mean, if if it was only looking at um, transfers, um, 500 hectares is still a large area. It doesn't affect that many sales. How many sales would that affect in a typical year? A handful. But- very few um, large holdings come up for sale each year. Mm. So that really highlights the need to to tackle tackle the existing patterns of ownership. Yeah, I mean it. it it's it's a fairly small number um, in the tens. Um, so it's really important that we have a mechanism for existing holdings. Um, the the government's proposal is is all about waiting for transfers to happen. Um, And I guess a key point about the proposal, what I'm proposing is that it has a mechanism for people, for communities to express their concern and have it acted on with existing holdings, not having to wait for the land to come up for sale or for it to be transferred from one generation to the next. Now, as we say, 500 hectares is still quite a large area. I mean, the entire town of Peebles is only 385 hectares. Yes, I am a geek. Would it be in the public interest for a hypothetical billionaire to buy an entire town or buy an entire island community that is less than 500 hectares without triggering some kind of test? 
Yeah, it's a good point. So we've got a mechanism in the proposal for islands. So it would apply to islands of any size where someone owns more than 50% of the land, um, then it would have to pass the public interest test. So it's not just the 500 hectare trigger with islands. We appreciate that, you know, some of them are quite small and it's it's more about the proportion that's the issue than... Um, the specific number of hectares so what what isn't in the proposal is some a mechanism specifically for urban areas um with a member's bill you're quite restricted you've got to have quite a narrow focus and it's already quite a big <laughs> proposal um but I, the idea and the hope would be that if we were able to implement this successfully then it could be used as a model for further legislation around urban areas. Apart from the comment from one MSP I mentioned earlier, what what has support been like for your bill in, in the government or across parliament? It's interesting because if you frame it as a Labour MSP's members bill, I'm not sure that you'd have that many hands go up. But if you talk about intervening on the concentration of land ownership, if you talk about a presumed limit on ownership, on a 500 hectare um, trigger for a public interest test, I think there is wide support across a number of different groups. Um, the first, it was put to the first minister and he said he would consider um, a lower trigger for the public interest test. So I feel that the, um, this, I don't know, the space is shifting and the, the debate is shifting and we're getting to see more of a consensus around what a large, what is a reasonable definition of a large holding um, at, at which a public interest test should be triggered. I think the element of the presumed limit is going to be more controversial because it's, <laughs> at its heart, it's about... Um, addressing power imbalance isn't it and so you're always going to have the greatest pushback if you're trying to intervene um and shift power yeah i mean it, it strikes me that in the, the government's land reform bill in the consultation to that when they were talking about that three thousand hectare limit almost everyone who responded to that wanted that limit to be lower except yeah. the landowner lobby who wanted it to be higher yeah and this is the thing there's from the research we've done, it seems that there's just over 2,000 holdings that would be affected by the proposal. Now, that's not very many people in the country, but they have a lot of influence, they have a lot of power, they have resource, and so they're very effective at, at making their voices heard. But I know that the issue of land ownership and, and tackling that concentration would benefit millions of people. And so I guess part of what this consultation process is about, it's not just about getting people to respond to the consultation, but it's about encouraging people to um, answer the question for themselves. What do they think? Do, do they think that anyone with enough money should be able to own as much land as they want with, with no limits? And um, if not, just really encouraging them to use their voice and to get out there, even if it's just having a conversation with their colleagues at work, that 
is that starts spreading the message and then the more people hear it especially if they hear it through word of mouth from from people they trust like colleagues or friends or family um the more they hear it then the, the more it it normalizes the fact that we want this change and and it doesn't seem like something um it's, it makes it seem less controversial and actually much more common sense which is what it really is mm. Now, as we record this interview, the the, the Programme for Government uh, debate is still ongoing. We've both spent uh, our afternoon leafing through the report trying to find uh, interesting bits in it. So we have, neither of us have probably absorbed it in full yet. But do you have any comments um, on the, the land reform aspects of the announcements so far? Well, looking at the Programme for Government, there's nothing that the First Minister has said on land reform that I would be in strong opposition to, but it's it, 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 there's no real statement of intent. It's, I mean, it's such a cliche to say it's warm words, but that's not to say that I don't think um, he would support change in any circumstance. But I, I just think with elected representatives, it, you know, talk is cheap, isn't it? Right, you need to see action. Um, so I suppose I'll I'll believe it when I see it. That's not like true representative. You're allowed to say that. I might not be. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's something I tried to hold myself to as well, <laughs> which means I'm quite busy. <laughs> well, uh, Common Rule will be having will be putting out our analysis of the program for government this Friday. Uh, I'll be writing it over the course of this week, so I'll stick a link in the description of the show to where folk can sign up to our newsletter and you can get that article emailed straight to your inbox on Friday morning. Um, just as we come to the end of the show, your bill is currently out for consultation. Um, what are you asking people to do about it and, and how long has it got left to run? So just one week to go. It's closing at 11.59pm on Tuesday, the 12th of September. So still plenty of time to respond. So please respond, share it with everyone you know, have these conversations, um, get out to your favourite bit of land. And, uh, and I don't know, you could take a photo, you could put it on social media, you could talk about what, what access to land means to you, what you think we should be doing with our land. I think just I would always encourage people to be as creative as possible. Hmm. And you almost answered my next question, but what else can people do to help? Yeah, I think, well, so Community Land Scotland um, is a, a brilliant organisation um, active across Scotland. There's different, um, uh, like, uh, branches or projects across the country. So you could have a look at their website and see if there if there's anything happening in your area around um, community um, land justice um, and get stuck in. And if there isn't, um, but you know that there's an issue with land where you are, then you could start your own campaign. Why not? Well, on that note, I don't think there's a better call to action than that. Mercedes <laughs> Villalba, thank you for coming on to the show. You can expect a response very soon. Thank you very much. And I'd just like to end by reminding everyone, as I always do, that Commonweal as an organisation is entirely funded by our donors and supporters. We don't get government money. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't even have adverts on our website. So if you would like to support our policy work, our campaigns and this podcast, then please click the donate link in the description. Thanks again to my guest. Thanks to all my listeners. And I'll speak to you again 
next week. Thank you.